Thanks, Tim. Thanks for all of you. That was some really great singing. If you have a Bible, I would like for you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And if you're looking on with a friend that doesn't have a Bible, let him look over your shoulder. And I'm looking for someone to read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 4 down through verse 8. So if someone has that, they can stand up and read it. You got it, JJ? Uh, beginning in verse 4 down through verse 8. Stand up and face everybody where they can hear you. And a champion went out from the camp, and the Philistines named Goliath and got from God, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet in his head, and he was armed with a coat, a coat of mail. And the weight of the colt was 5,000 scales of bronze. And he, he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighted 600 shackles, and had a, sheer, a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you are the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself, and let him come down to me. Thank you. Well, I think most of us are familiar with this scene. This, of course, is the story of David and Goliath. But just try to picture the scene for us, because there's some rich applications for us, even, even though we live 3,000 years after this event. Some of us in the will of the Lord will be able to go to this, the site of this particular battle in the Valley of Elah, the brook that goes through that valley where the uh, smooth stones were picked out by David, still there. Uh, I picked out two stones out of the brook under the permission of Israel Antiquities, of course, when I was there. So it, it is a real place, and there's a hill on either side, and the Philistines were on the northern hill, and Israel, the armies of God, were on the southern hill, and out walks this giant. Some, uh, what is he, 11 feet tall? Nine foot nine, nine foot nine inches tall. Miami Heat would love to have him about right now. <laughs> so out he walks, and, and as J.J. read, all of this armor he's wearing. He's a giant, he's fully armed, and he walks out, and he taunts, he challenges the army of the living God. He says, choose one man from among you and come down the ancient idea of the duel, right? Come down and have a duel with me. And if I defeat him, Israel becomes our slaves. If he defeats me, the Philistines become Israel's slaves. That's the challenge that's laid out. Now, I want us to think about it in terms of there are, there are at least two ways we can think about this. The first would be in terms of David here in this story, of course, is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. There stood a formidable giant against us, the giant of death. And, of course, under the commandeering of Satan. And Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that 
we were in bondage all of our lifetime through fear of death. Those of us who know the Lord as Savior, and if we don't know the Lord as Savior, we're still in that place of, of the fear of death. Why is, is death such a formidable giant, such a formidable foe? Because we don't know what happens after it, right? I mean, we know what we have now in this life. But if you had a close relative or a close friend die, where are they? Are you going to see them again? What's going to happen to them? And even closer to home for us, what about us? Eventually, we're going to walk through that doorway of death if the rapture doesn't come first. And what is on the other side? That's, that's one of the greatest terrors to, to most human beings. And Goliath re represents that great giant whom our great Savior, the greater Son of David, went out and on the cross he defeated that foe. He defeated that enemy. And for everyone since the cross, the, the gospel message goes out, for everyone who will receive that payment, Christ's death on the cross, for your sin, personally, and mine, He promises to save, to give us eternal life. But there's another way to think about it too, especially in light of celebrating our graduates and they're moving on to a new stage or a new phase in their lives. Whether you like it or not, you're moving on to another stage, right? It's going to be different than where you've been in the last three, four, six years. And you're going to face certain giants in your life too. What are some of the giants that our graduates are going to face as they move out into this world? Yes, ma'am. Sorry again? Homework. homework. And doing well in homework too, right? And therefore, the discipline that it takes to do all of that. Very good. What else? What's another, Jason? Temptation, right? And what to do when you encounter that giant. Good. What's, what's some other ones? Finances. Especially in the world that we're moving out into where they're talking about a double-dip recession and the housing market is going further and further down. Job market is going to get, get more and more scarce. This will probably be true for the next five to six years, most economists are saying. That's the reality. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to adjust our planning accordingly, right? There's a plan. There's a way to work with it. But it takes planning ahead. It takes preparation. Good. How about the giant of anger? Getting a hold of that giant. Sometimes when that giant rears its head in our lives and, and, and it looks like there's no escape sometimes, right? Or about the giant of loneliness. When, when you're all alone, I mean, you don't have to be by yourself to experience loneliness, right? Like I heard one woman say in an interview years ago that was in her 30s and was still single and they were asking her in the interview about aren't isn't it awful being single and at this stage in your life I mean don't you feel lonely she said well I'd rather be single and lonely than married and lonely see we think sometimes that well you can't be lonely if you're married yes you can if you're married to the wrong person it's a really lonely life marriage wasn't intended by God for that but if we get ahead of God's plan for us 
we can move into a situation like that. Loneliness, a lot of people experience, it can be like a giant that terrorizes us. What's another giant? Anyone else? That's right. Studying the discipline that, that is needed in order to do homework, to do well, to finish your particular course and mission that you set for yourself, your goal of graduating or, or completing a particular career or whatever it is. How about the giant of fear? Fear can be a paralyzing giant, can it? Have you ever been in a situation where you were so afraid and so fearful that you could hardly move, you were paralyzed by it? And of course, as I think Jason was alluding to, the giant of lust, of, of wanting, desiring something and not having it and causing all kinds of anxiety and craving. The key is how we respond to that, right? There are going to be certain crisis experiences that occur in our lives for all of us, the graduates and all of us, right? We can't control always those crisis experiences, how they come, but we can to some extent control how we respond to them, can't we? You see, the armies of Israel, who was the one that should have gone down and represented the armies of Israel before the giant? King Saul, right? He was the king. He was supposed to lead them in their battles. And the king is up there on the hill hiding under a terebinth tree. And it just so happened that David's father, Jesse, sends David over to see how his brothers were doing. They were soldiers in King Saul's army. Took some supplies over. He goes over there and he, he just happens to hear while David is standing there amongst the army, out comes the giant again. He did this for some, I think it says 40 days, right? Kept coming down and taunting. And Israel was paralyzed with fear. And David, he's a teenager. He's, he's probably 16 or 17 years old. He just happens to be there. And you know what? It was the worst day for Goliath's career that ever occurred when he went down there and David happened to hear him taunting the armies of the living God. Because we read that in verse um, 23. Then as he, the giant, talked with... Or I'm sorry, David was talking with the men. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, the ones that J.J. read a minute few minutes ago and look at the next phrase so David heard them David heard them what was the difference between David and the rest of the army you see we're told in chapter 13 earlier that David was a man after God's own heart David started his relationship with God with the Lord when he was young so here he is as a teenager, and he's fearless in the face of a giant. Now this giant, Goliath, would be one of the easier giants he would face. There would be other giants in his life. The giant of lust would really get him later in his life, wouldn't it? He would be in his late 40s when the giant of lust confronted him when he had his temptation with Bathsheba. But this particular giant... And David says, he spoke to the men in verse 26, 
What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, David sees it in the big picture. He doesn't just see a giant coming out in some particular battle. He sees that the enemy of God is taunting God by taunting God's people. You with me on that? And just like the Bible tells us in the New Testament, when one of us, as children of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, we're members of the family of God, when one of us hurts, all of us hurt. Because we're one body. And when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice together. We're there to encourage, see, because we're all on the, if you could use the phrase, the same team. We're on the Lord's team. And He's our Master. And we carry His glory with us. We represent Him. It's one of the things with Lord willing have a baptism on Sunday evening and one of the signs, one of the indicators that baptism gives us is identification with the Lord. We are, if you will, marked. We belong to Him. We represent Him here in this world. Lost people learn about our Master, Jesus Christ, by looking at us because we represent Him. David had that kind of relationship. And so he goes to the king. Down in verse 32. says to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of this, this giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. None of them were willing to go forward. You can imagine Saul with his javelins and all his armor. And he's sitting there and David walks up there with no armor, no javelin, no sword. He says, don't worry about it, king. I'll take care of it. I mean, what confidence. What bravery. What assurance. How did David get to this place? Because how David got to this place is the same way you and I get to this place when we face our own giants in our own lives. How did David get to this place? Well, he tells. He tells us the story. He says that he was watching his father's sheep in verse 34. He used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. Now, how was David able to do this? Why he, as a single individual, did he, why did he feel the confidence to go against a lion or a bear? Would you want to go one-on-one -on -one with a lion or a bear? I wouldn't. David was able to do this because he believed the Word of God. See, in the Old Covenant, it's not true now. Don't, don't apply it now because it won't work very possibly. But under the Old Covenant, in Leviticus 26.6, when Israel was promised, when they were in fellowship with the Lord, that they would have victory over the beasts that were in the land. The wild beasts that were in the land. That would include the lions and the bears. David believed God at His word, you see. God said that He would grant them that kind of deliverance. And David, of all the armies of Israel that were there, including King Saul, he was the only one that really believed 
that God would do what he said he would do. So where was David? What was the key to David's success? What was the key to his victory? He believed God. He trusted God's word. Now just to give you an example of that, turn over into the book of Psalms to Psalm 63. And maybe one of the uh, young people could read for us verses 1 through 8 of Psalm 63. If you have it, you can stand up and read it loud and clear for us. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. You have it? Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, you got it? Thank you. Good reading. You notice in the superscription to the psalm, it was a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. David was in the wilderness of Judah many times in his life. So we don't know exactly when he wrote this psalm, but it's very possible that he wrote it even as a young man when he was keeping his father's sheep. And so this psalm gives us a clue this psalm gives us an insight into the strength, the confidence that David had. What does this psalm tell us? It tells us that David had a close walk with the Lord, didn't he? Even as a young person. Some of the songs we were singing just a minute ago indicated that, right? Reflected a heart that's open to the Lord. I was listening on the way down to Natalie Grant. Your great name. And how she testifies by song to the greatness of the Lord's name. And look what David says. He's not, he's not shy about that. He's not afraid or ashamed of proclaiming how much he loves the Lord, is he? He says, oh God, you are my God. Not someone else. Not some idol or some object that doesn't speak. I know you personally. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. You ever had that feeling? When you come to the Word of God in the morning or in the evening or at midday, whenever that works in your schedule and your soul longs for this person, Jesus Christ, you want to talk to Him in prayer? So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because, he says, your loving kindness, your steadfast love for me is better even than life itself. When we know that we're loved by God, that He really loves us just as we are, with all our weaknesses and all our frailties and all our rough edges, He receives us just as we are. He doesn't leave us as we are, does He? he he's going to mold us into His image. 
by His great grace, using His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, but He receives us just as we are. And when we realize that, we realize how awful we are in the sight of a holy God and He still loves us. We can agree with David. His loving kindness, His merciful love, it's better than life itself. To know that, to experience that. See, David's not just writing about theory, is he? He's not just writing like some theologian theorizes about the love of God. David's writing from experience. And God wants you and I to experience Him in this life. That's the key to David's success against any giant he faced. And it's going to be the key to your success and mine. So how do we do that? Let me just give you three suggestions. Think about these. Think about maybe you're already involved doing some of these things. But the first is record. Record God's faithfulness to you. Buy yourself a notebook. I mean, you can get those those ring-bound notebooks, what, 99 cents at Walmart? You can get a little nicer one. I like, I like to get one that's a little bit nicer, has better paper in it, because not only do I record the faithfulness that the Lord demonstrates to me in His Word in my own life, I make sketches and drawings too because I'm a visual learner. And so I remember things better when I see them visually. So I draw it out sometimes rather than write it out. But whatever works for you, whatever works for your personality, the key is start journaling. I don't mean journaling about, I mean, it's all right to journal about, well, you know, I went to the dentist today. Where's Joe? I went to the dentist today or I went to Walmart today and picked up a CD. You know, sometimes we write those kind of things and that's okay. But I'm talking about your spiritual insights from your interactive relationship between you and the Lord, especially in His Word. You read a couple of verses. What do they mean to you personally? How do they strike you? Write it down. Because our world is so busy don't think that you're going to remember even the next day some of those insights. Sometimes I wake up during the night and, I, and the Lord gives an insight on, in my mind and I find a notebook and, and a pen and turn on a light and squint and everything and just write down a few words just so I can remember it when I wake up the next morning and then go back to bed. Because I know too many times I've said, oh, I'm, I don't want to turn on the light and uh, I'll wait till morning. And in the morning, I can't remember it. And I plead with the Lord, give it back, bring it back. And it usually doesn't come back. You know that picture we see in the Song of Solomon in chapter 5 when the lover comes to the lattice and she says, my feet are already washed, I'm in bed, I don't want to get up. And she agonizes over and finally she gets up and he's gone. And then she goes all through the city looking for him, gets beat up, trying to find him. Because the watcher's on the wall. See, when the Lord visits us at critical moments in our lives, those are really, really special. And it would be wrong to kind of presume on God that, well, He'll do it again tomorrow, then at the same time. He may not. He may. That's up to the Lord. But as we walk 
in our journey in life, we begin to experience this personal relationship with the Lord. So the first suggestion is read the Word of God, write your observations, record God's faithfulness to you, record answers to prayer. You got people you're really concerned about, right? I do. And I pray for them. And then I look to see what are the answers to that prayer. Because the Word of God tells me and when I pray and you, when you pray, if you're a child of God, according to the will of God, He will do it. You're His child. He will do it, He says, if it's according to His will. That's a pretty powerful thing to welcome us into, isn't it? And so... In my journal, I'm able to record when I hear about that answer to prayer. I want to record it. Why? So I can give the glory and praise back to the Lord. Thank Him for it. Plus, it builds my assurance. It builds my confidence the next time I go to Him in prayer about somebody that I've met that's really hurting. I told you about my friend. She's a sister. Denise over in another part of the country. I'll just protect her identity. I'm changing her name. But, you know, the one that was saved out of a drug addiction her mom's a crackhead in prison her dad left the family long ago she's 22 years old but she loves the Lord she's just a newborn babe in Christ she's just learning how to walk like brother was saying last night Frankenstein walk you know how the little kids when they're first walking they do that kind of Frankenstein walk and that's the way we are spiritually when we first start walking in the Lord and gradually we begin to know Him, we get more confidence. The second suggestion is rest in God's love for you personally. How do you do that? We remind ourselves of who we are, who God is, and how much He loves us. There are certain key verses like John 3.16 like the whole chapter of John 15 that remind us of this. If, you can, if you're good at memorizing, memorize those verses and chapters. But if you're not that good at memorizing, write it out on an index card and keep it with you. And in moments when you're depressed or lonely or fearful, pull it out and read it and build your strength in resting in God's love. God says He loves us with an everlasting love. It never ends. We just forget that He does sometimes. We have to remind ourselves. And the third R word, the first is record, the second rest. The third, reaffirm our discipleship and obedience to Him. When we trusted the Lord, the moment we were saved, we told Him we would follow Him. Right? We would follow Him. We would be His disciple. But things come into our lives and, and, and we get confused or we get doubtful or we get discouraged. And we need many, many times in our lives to reaffirm who we are and our allegiance and appreciation of the Lord. Our allegiance to Him and our appreciation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Great verses on that. In view of the mercy of God, offer yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable priestly service. And be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And where are our minds renewed? Right here in the Word of God, right? The Word of God washes our, th our thoughts, washes our minds, reminds us of who we are, reminds us of the greatness of the Lord, and reaffirms our discipleship. Just three reminders. David defeated that giant, didn't he? He didn't use any armor. He didn't use any weapons other than a sling and a few stones. You see, the battle, as he says, the battle is the Lord's. And when we're in our difficult areas in life and we're facing these giants, the battle is still the Lord's. It's not just ours, it's the Lord's. And He's mighty to save, isn't He? He has the power. We don't. And we so need Him. So may we apply these things in our own lives, starting with our graduates, but with all of us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. It's a special night for all of you. It's special for me to be here with you on it. And uh, pray for me as you think about it. I'll be traveling back to Texas on Tuesday morning, Lord willing. Continue to have a full schedule. And there are lots of temptations out there. And there are a lot of things that get in the way, obstacles. A lot of giants come in. But the Lord is effective for me as he, as he is for you, right? We can pray for one another. Brother Jamel, maybe you close in prayer for us and thank the Lord for us.